Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Well, let's read together from the prophet Isaiah. Again, Isaiah chapter 35. We've reached uh, the end of this short series looking at texts from Handel's Messiah. And here is a text, uh, beautiful words from chapter 35 of Isaiah's prophecy. Let me read it for us. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly. And rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord. The majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the layman leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Amen. Well, so many different momentous things have happened this past year, haven't they? Uh, One thing stands out for me in particular for lots of different reasons. This was the year that we sadly lost J.I. Packer, Jim Packer, one of the most humble and deeply Christian men who God has used to bless his church for many, many years, a wonderful Christian gentleman. Here's something that uh, I read on Christmas Day sitting in our living room in the evening. I got a book about Jim Packer, and these words jumped off the page. This is somebody uh, writing about J.I. Packer, about what drove him every single time he got into a room with other people to teach them. Uh, Here is an entire lifetime of loving the Lord Jesus Christ and walking with God and teaching other people condensed into just a couple of sentences. Somebody said to him, what is it you do when you have students in front of you and you're there to teach them? What is in your mind? Here's Here's what Packer said. What I want to say to my students is, look, look. This is the biggest thing that ever was. 
And we Christians, most of us, still haven't appreciated its size. We've been Christians for years and years, and yet we haven't fully grasped it. Now that is a, a wonderful thing, isn't it? From an elderly, an elderly man at the end of his life, realizing that no matter how many years he had left, he had not grasped the sheer size of what God has done in the world. I thought that was simply beautiful. What, what is a theologian's job? What is a pastor's job? What is a Christian's job? Your job this morning? It is to look, to look. Look at what God has put in front of you this morning in the Bible, what we've just read together. Look who God has put in our world in Jesus, his son. Look. And don't ever stop looking because this is the biggest thing that ever was. And it is so big that we will plumb its depths until we die. And then beyond that, we will spend eternity trying to plumb the depths of who God is. Look, friends, look. I want to say to you very simply this morning, the good news of Jesus is bigger than COVID-19 as 2020 ends. It is bigger. It is bigger than Brexit. It is bigger than a vaccine rollout, the thing that everybody's waiting for this year. It is bigger than whatever 2021 will bring you. It's why Handel wrote the Messiah, the beautiful music. Every word that's being sung in Handel's Messiah is from the Bible. Handel saw something of the size of who God is and what God has done in the world in sending a king into the world. Remember what we put on those little sheets at the start of the series? While composing his Messiah, Handel was so inspired that he often forgot to eat. And he said to a friend, I did think that I did see all of heaven before me and God himself seated on a throne. You can kind of imagine that, can't you, with the beauty of the music and the words, that he must have had a vision of how great God is. And you know, when you get a glimpse of how big God is, two things happen. Number one, you realize he is bigger than you ever imagined. When you see who God is, you know he's big, but all of a sudden you realize he's way bigger than you ever imagined. And secondly, that means everything else is smaller than you ever thought. God is bigger and everything else becomes smaller. Do you remember Isaiah? Here he is in chapter 35, but do you remember chapter 6? He sees the Lord sitting on a throne. What does he say? The train of his robe filled the temple. The train of his robe... So think of the size of the temple. It's not even that his robe fills the temple, but just the very trailing edge of it fills a room that would have dwarfed this room. God is so big, you can only ever see a tiny fraction of him. And because Isaiah sees how great God is, everything else around Isaiah begins to shrink. See, here we are in in chapter 35, but... The whole point of this first section of Isaiah, chapter 1 all the way through to chapter 39, the whole point of that whole section, the first part of Isaiah, is Isaiah saying to us very simply, lie down low, humble yourself, trust God, 
And the way that Isaiah does that is that because he's had that vision of God in the temple, he takes all the very big things around God's people, which they are tempted to trust and tempted to say these things are worrying and fearful and big and powerful. Isaiah says, when you see who God is, you begin to look at all these other things around you and you say, one day God is going to make all those very big things very, very small. In Isaiah's day, do you know what the big things were for the people? The nations around them. The the USA's and the China's and the Russia's and the, the British empires of their day. Here was tiny little Judah, tiny, tiny little. I showed our children Palestine on the map the other day, and they they could not believe how small it is. Tiny little piece of geography. Here is tiny Judah with the Assyrians and the Babylonians all around them, pressing in on them. War was in the offing. They can hear the sound of armies in the distance getting nearer and nearer. And as they heard them encroaching, Judah was not turning to God. They were not crying out to God. They were beginning to look at the nations, at Babylon, at Egypt, at Moab. They were impressed with the size of their armies. They loved the money that those nations had in the bank. They coveted the security and comfort that came from getting close to nations like that, big, mighty nations. And again and again and again, the prophet Isaiah is simply saying to people, one day... All the nations of the earth who persist in rebellion against God will be brought very, very low. And his tiny, marginalized people, overlooked people, lowly people, they are going to be exalted and made great in all the earth. Up to Isaiah chapter 34, here is what God has been saying. Trust human strength. And watch the world become a desert. Trust human strength and watch the world become a desert. Listen to Isaiah 34, verse 13. Thorns will grow over its strongholds, nettles and thistles in its fortresses. It will become the haunt of jackals and abode for ostriches. Wild animals will meet with hyenas. There the nightbird will settle and find for herself a resting place. It's a picture of the world becoming a desert. Only animals will be left to inhabit these forgotten wastelands. Trust human strength and watch the world become a desert. That's the message of Isaiah up to chapter 35. Trust human strength and in front of your very eyes watch the world become a desert. I wonder if that's what's happened to us a bit this year with COVID. What do you think? Our world, not, not all of it, of course, some parts of, some parts of the world remain immensely aware of how weak they are, how dependent they are. But the world that you and I inhabit, the nations you and I are familiar with, isn't it true? We thought we were invincible. Think back to this kind of Sunday last year, the Sunday in between Christmas and New Year. It is always a quiet, ministers talk about it being a sleepy Sunday. It's always a quiet, low-key day. Did anybody think it would come to this a year later? 
Now, many of our great nations thought we were invincible, untouchable. We can buy it all, have it all. We can make it all. We can defend ourselves, govern ourselves, protect ourselves. And we have had no place for national repentance, national mourning, national fasting. No, we lived our lives trusting human strength and the world we live in became a desert. So what I want to give you this morning is the exact opposite. Isaiah chapter 35. Trust human strength and watch the world become a desert. Now we get to chapter 35. Here's my one thing to say to you this morning. Trust God's king and watch the desert become a garden. Trust God's king and watch the desert become a garden. See, the the Bible has a word it, it has a concept for a, a state of affairs where everything is put right. Everything is the way it's meant to be. M- many of you will know this word. It's the word shalom. It's where we get the word peace from. But even the word peace doesn't quite capture everything that's in the Hebrew word shalom. P- peace is too, too watered down, actually, to express what the Bible means by shalom. Peace simply means the absence of conflict, doesn't it? It means the absence of war. But shalom is more than that. See, two opposing armies that have been fighting can declare a ceasefire and call a truce, and they can be at peace, but they are at peace with each other over acres of smoldering ruins of a city. They have both shelled to smithereens. They, They are at peace, yes, but there is not shalom. When the Bible speaks of shalom, it's usually the prophets in the Old Testament promising a future day. Here is what they mean. They mean a new age in which human crookedness will be straightened out. Rough places made smooth. The foolish will be made wise. The wise will be humbled. Deserts will flower. The mountains will run with wine. Tears will end. Weeping will cease. You and I will go to sleep without locking our doors without weapons under beds. Lambs will lie down with lions. People will work in peace and be perfectly fruitful. Relationships will be harmonious. All of creation will be webbed together into a perfect fit. Human beings will be knit together as brothers and sisters and all of nature and all people will look to God and walk with God and lean on God. And delight in God. Shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, delight. That's why I've called this sermon today restoration. Restoration. That's the picture here, isn't it? In Isaiah chapter 35. It, It is a beautiful, glorious picture of shalom, of the way things ought to be. And this, brothers and sisters, this, if we trust God and give ourselves to his king, you will watch the desert become a garden. You will watch the desert become a garden. That's what Isaiah gives us here, doesn't he? In picture form, if you just look at the imagery, it's all about the desert and wilderness rejoicing and being glad and blossoming and flowering. All of it because, end of verse 2, they will see the glory of the Lord. The splendor of God. Verse 4, 
Everything changes when God comes, doesn't it? He will come to save you. When God comes to earth to rescue his people, it is like everything that changes in the earth itself because it's as if the earth is so overjoyed to welcome him, to have him, that it's as if as God comes, the earth just can't help bursting out into song. That's what the imagery is doing of a desert blossoming. It's like somebody unable to keep in their joy anymore. You see those camera images of flowers. They they capture them over a couple of weeks or months and In the space of a few seconds, it just bursts open. That is what it will be like. Some of you have had this, haven't you, the past? I know it's been uh, not everybody's experience over Christmas, of course, but some people have had this just very recently. Someone you love the most in the world has been away from home for weeks and months, maybe longer. And you've been counting down the days of their return, haven't you? You had it marked in the calendar. On this day, she's going to be here. She'll get off the plane. She's here. And you just cannot wait, can you, for that person to be back, back with you. Everything will be different. And then they walk in the door and the joy overflows. It's like a child on Christmas morning getting the either the present they long for or or even better, a present that they didn't know was coming and that has filled their heart with more joy than they can imagine. That is the picture here of what the earth is going to do as God comes to save his people. Friends, you and I know this chapter in front of us this morning, all of this, all of this wonderful imagery began to happen when Jesus came. All of it began to happen when he came. Do you remember John the Baptist? He's in prison and he hears what Jesus is doing. And in his prison cell, he's just left confused and amazed. Is this the day of the Lord? Could this be the one we're waiting for? And he sends word to Jesus. Are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? What does Jesus do? What does he send back to John? Do you remember? He sends back to him Isaiah 35. Go back and report to John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Verse 5 of chapter Isaiah 35. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. You work it out for yourself, John, Jesus is saying. You see it, friends, when Jesus came, it was God himself coming to earth. And when God comes into contact with blindness and deafness and sickness and disease and deformity, how could those things not just start falling away as Jesus begins to conquer them one by one by one? You know, friends, do you know why it is that Jesus does miracles? It it is It is not simply to heal the person in in front of him, wonderful as that was. Amazing, wouldn't it, to have a part of your body restored, new life coursing through your veins. But it is not just that. With every single miracle, the Lord Jesus is showing us that what God is doing is turning the world back into a garden again turning the world back into a garden. He's putting the world back to how it was meant to be. Every single miracle that Jesus does is a deliberate act of new creation. And the greatest thing that Jesus does 
is that he builds a road out of the desert all the way to the new creation. Look at the imagery in verse 8. I love this imagery. A highway shall be there. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. My way. Now, I, I think we love highways, don't we? We we love clear roads and straight paths. There's nothing worse than rounding the corner trying to get somewhere and you see red taillights stretching off into the distance, roadblock. Think about that new road that we've had the last couple of years, the AWPR. Every single time I'm on it, I seem to be the only person on it. It's clear, empty, fast. You can get to where you need to get to in no time at all. God is saying that in your desert world, when I come myself, when I step down into your world, I am going to build a road for you all the way out of the desert, all the way to glory. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Where does it lead? Where is Jesus taking us? Verse 10, to the heavenly city, the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Don't miss the beauty in the poetry, friends, in verse 10. I think there is beautiful progression. We enter Zion with singing. Then there is everlasting joy, a crown put on our heads. Then gladness and joy arrive, we shall obtain it. And then sorrow and sighing flee away. Alec Mateer says this, Zion admits no disappointment. Zion admits no disappointment. Isn't that an amazing thing? Disappointment is just an ordinary feature of life, isn't it? In a couple of weeks' time, the Christmas presents will have lost their shine. We'll be into January, tier four, all uncertain future stretching ahead of us. We know disappointment in life on every hand. This city admits no disappointment. It is impossible to come to this city with the Lord Jesus as King and keep your sorrow Impossible. It will be impossible, friends, to hang on to your pain. Some, some of you know the name of William Sankster. William Sankster was a, a minister of a Methodist church in London. And Sankster had a younger brother who died at the age of six. He was severely handicapped in body and mind. Uh, very severely handicapped. Sankster said as a minister... As an older man, he said, I often think about my brother. And I wondered about it even as a boy. Why should this be? I wonder about it still as a man. Why should this be? But I know that in the first instant of standing before God, he will answer my question and I will be satisfied with his answer. In that moment... He will answer my question and I will be satisfied. Can you see from verse 10 how it is that Sankster will be satisfied? It is because something will overwhelm us and something will depart from us. You see it? We get something, gladness and joy, and we will lose something, sorrow and sighing. That thing that always seemed to elude us that we couldn't quite get hold of, that thing that eluded us will now catch up with us, joy. 
gladness. It will consume us. And what we have always had too much of here and now will be gone forever. Sorrow will leave us. It will be impossible to contain our gladness and joy. They will burst out of us and overflow forever. Friends, I want to encourage you this morning. As you watch a world in 2021, as you watch our world begin to try and write itself again. And we don't know how long it's going to take. It will take, uh, take a while at the very least, won't it? People try to get up off their knees as we emerge from the shadows at some point, as we try to rebuild economies, church families, nations. As we watch all of that happen, friends, I want you to know it is not as real and not as true and nowhere near as big as what God has placed in the world in Jesus, his son. One day the desert of this whole world will become a garden. It's what we're going to see try to happen, isn't it, the next few years, turning the desert back into a garden. Friends, I want to encourage you today to set yourself a lifelong task of never stopping looking at just how big this is. Man's maker was made man. The ruler of the stars nursing at his mother's breast. He who upholds the universe held in his mother's arms. He the perfect healer wounded. He the only Life extinguished so that from his life and death might flood a world made new. Friends, do you know that what is coming to you as a child of God, as a follower of the Lord Jesus, do you know that what is coming to you is greater than the greatest thing you lost in 2020? I hope you know that this morning. There is no greater comfort than that, is there? To know that in the gospel, what is coming to you is greater than the greatest thing you lost this year. And so my prayer this morning is very simple. May the sheer size of what God has given us in this world, this promise of the future, may the sheer size of it captivate you, not just this morning, but every day. Every day for the rest of our lives, so may it be. May God keep and bless you this year. Amen.